Hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. I am Ken. I am sorry. I'm Ken. I'm the beige. That is AJ. He's the green. A little reverse order today. And welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. So for those of you who've been following us since we've begun, we thank you for being with us along this journey. And we have a couple announcements to make, but before we do, of course, we always like to remind you to hit subscribe and turn on the notifications so that whenever we drop a new episode, you immediately know that it's there. All right, so what we have brewing. Now, I made mention of this a couple of times before, and I want to let you know that this week is the last week of us coming on in the evening. From next Wednesday, our episodes will be debuting in the morning. So if you have an opportunity during the day, you can just put us on and let us keep your company. And of course, give us your comments, give us your feedback so that we can, of course, you know, if there's anything that we really want to respond to, then we can bring it into the broadcast for the following week. Um, something as a, that we're also working on, we I just giving you a heads up. We are in the process of finalizing and working out how to get the audio-only stream of our pod out there for those who may not necessarily catch us on YouTube. So more is to come on that. So just keep your ears to the ground. We will definitely have more to say about that. AJ, how are you doing, sir? Great, great. Uh, yeah, had a little time off to kind of recoup and just, yeah. Um, yeah, just 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 get the mind back at ease and, and know we're back and ready to gearing, ready to go. I'm great. How are you doing, sir? I am good. I am good. I am always looking forward to to these Monday afternoons when we're recording this pod because awesome. of yeah. course. This this is fun for us. This is this is not work. This is fun. So let's have some fun. Of course, what we're looking to start with this week is not fun, is not funny, but it's something that I think it behooves us to at least spend a little time talking about. And this is the Green Beige Podcast favorite person to talk about, one Deshaun Watson. So we spent a lot of time in the past talking about Deshaun Watson and him looking for his trade out of Houston. But everybody and anybody who's been paying attention knows that Mr. Watson has found himself in some significant hot water. To date, we have heard of 19 women who have filed lawsuits against Mr. Watson, alleging inappropriate behavior. He has come out and said that he has not done anything wrong, that he has never mistreated any women. However, the old adage is where there's smoke, there's fire, and right now he is in the middle of an inferno. There are 19 women who have lawsuits against him, and there's a 20th woman who has come out with an interview that she did with Sports Illustrated, in which she had alleged that he also was engaged in inappropriate behavior when she gave him a massage. But she is not joining with the lawsuit. 
she does not want any money. She wants an apology. So far, as I said, it's 19 civil suits, women in three different states, all alleging something along the same lines, which is he was getting a massage and during the massage, Mr. Watson pulls his member out or he's absolutely naked during the massage and then puts his member on them in some form or fashion. It is important to note that at this point, these are still allegations. We do not know what is the truth. Deshaun has come out strenuously against these allegations through his attorney. And on top of that, today there was a report that came out and said that Deshaun has been deleting Instagram messages and that he has attempted to settle with some of the women. Well, his attorney comes out and says that that is not true. Right now, it is a lot of he said, she said, and we just have to keep following the thread. So AJ, while we are not going to go into the allegations and if we believe it's true or not, because something has to come out eventually, from the footballing standpoint, from the Texans' perspective, where do you see this going? How do you think they should approach this situation? Um, you know what? This doesn't it as as of as of now, allegations or not, the situation doesn't look good for Deshaun. And the fact that there's so many allegations, if if he even did this once, that is twice too many. Um, no, I. I before we get into the football side, though, I, without getting into too much detail on it, there is something I kind of want to say about the Texans in this situation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let me let me preface what I'm about to say by by um, starting off this way. Um, so I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to minimalize the the basically the effect or, or talk of the allegations that are currently out. Like, this is a very serious issue, right? Um, this is, I'm not on the side of right or wrong. I, I'm, as you just aptly put it, like these are situations, this is a he said, she said kind of thing. You, you have to take both parties' uh, uh, um, stories into account. You can't dismiss one or the other, right? Um, that being said, though, despite everything that is happening with Deshaun, I kind of, uh, I in the back of my mind, I kind of have the Texans I have the Texans in mind in this situation, and I'll tell you why, right? No. The, the, the timing of the release of these allegations is, is, is what has me a bit um, skeptical about the entire thing. Um, not, 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 not the actual allegations, but just, just the, the, the release of the timing of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's shortly after the, Texan, the Texans basically are about to get into a showdown with their star-studded quarterback, their you know, their, their franchise QB, it gets to the point where he decides he wants to leave the organization. He's not returning any phone calls, not trying to hear the new GM, the new coach, nobody, right? Mm -hmm. And then this information comes out. So again, again, this is in no way, shape or form me trying to, to um, like I said, minimalize the, the effects or this, the, the allegations that have been out. But 
the fact that they came out after this, is this something that the Texans knew before and, and, and failed to act on? This is what I'm wondering. Is this something that they knew about Deshaun before and, and just decided that they would keep it hushed because of who he is and because of their situation with him? I'm saying that to say if, if the Deshaun is rightfully under investigation by the NFL, right? For me, the Texans should be as well. The Texans should be as well, based on, on based purely on the timing of this, right? The Texans should be on the investigation because I, th there needs to be further investigation to find out if this is something that they knew before and then and then it was essentially allowed to come out at this time. But if they knew if they knew about it before, the fact of the matter, if they knew about it before, that this is what I'm criticizing really. If they knew about it before, they the, the Texans should come under some sort of, of um penalty, you know, scrutinizing uh, um something. For allowing that to to basically like basically sweeping it under the rug from before that mm -hmm. that's the issue I want to get at because I, it, the the timing of it you always have to study the timing like I, like one of my old professors told me <laughs> he works in media and sports and he said whenever something comes out into the media you have to question who put it there and why mm -hmm. so for me for me I, I I just I it 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 just seems so convenient that this happened then. And I, I really have to wonder, okay, well, did the Texans know about this before? That 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 that's really what I, I, I wanted to mention firstly. Um with regards to the football aspect, though, <laughs> it, it, it 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 I wanted to mention that because it feels like this is putting them in the prime position to to hold on to Deshaun, essentially. Mm -hmm. Because we're seeing teams now backing off and making deals essentially um go go in the draft to look which we'll get into but look towards the draft for quarterbacks and so on so his his options seem to be dwindling at this point um if i were them i mean like i said it, it seems like they might be in a position to hold on to him at this point uh which is we know what they wanted to do in a, uh, um in the first case so at, at, at this point, it seems like they're, hams they're, they're hamstrung. I, I don't know if they have many options. If uh, there are many options that they can explore at this point, they, the, the, they would have to wait until the, um, the NFL completes their investigation. Uh, but yeah, from the Texans' sake, for the Texans' sake, it, it, it's kind of like a waiting game because you want to see what's going to happen. Like, they, they do not want to lose this guy, <laughs> all things considered. And, and if, they, if they really had any intention... Of, of releasing him, he would have been released from the time these allegations started piling up. He would have been. But because of who he is, they haven't as yet. So we know they want to keep him. I mean, I'll maintain that. We know that they do want to keep him. Um, yeah, so with regards to the Texans, it, it kind of just is the waiting game until we find out more uh, from the NFL. Now, to piggyback on one of the points that you made just now with regards to if the Texans knew or didn't know, at this point... It is difficult to say that they did know because, well, they haven't said anything. All they've said is that right now an investigation is being conducted and they're waiting to get more findings. Now, like you, I'm a little skeptical 
about the Texans. I'm a skeptical about basically every NFL franchise when any of these kinds of things come out. Unless it just happened, and we know it just happened because like there's police reports, you know, police has been involved, something like that. When you see and you hear about the scandals that happen in college, in the college game, that doesn't make the kind of money that the NFL does. And that these organizations, in a lot of cases, they know about a lot of the foolishness that some of the players are up to, and especially if you're a star player, they'll do whatever they can to cover this up. So, as you said, Deshaun Watson is angling to get out. He's basically trying to go scorched earth to ensure that he gets out. And then all of a sudden, we heard about one woman. One woman became two women, then four women. And the number just keeps growing and growing. I remember seeing or hearing somewhere that it was alleged that the attorney who is representing these women had some affiliation with the owner of the Texans. So, all of this, as we let's say back home, yeah, there's more in the mortar than just the pestle. So, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot going on here. And as you mentioned, because of the situation that Deshaun finds himself in, the likelihood of him being traded reduces. It doesn't disappear because even when I think they were saying that there was like 12 or 14 um, lawsuits in play and the potential was that it could have risen up to 24 because there were 12 women that had filed and there were 12 women that were in discussions with the attorney so while that was happening you were still hearing that there were clubs who were still interested in trading for Deshaun at this point everybody is in a wait and see the Texans we remember we talked about briefly when they brought in, I think it was Tyrod Taylor, that is now the backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have made mention of the bringing in Tyrod as like an insurance policy in case Deshaun did leave or if right. he holds yeah. out, then, he, then Tyrod could be the placeholder. But no, it could be that they could have known that something was coming, something was brewing, and therefore they needed to get another quarterback in there. We don't know. A lot more is to come out from that, and I am sure that as soon as it does, we will be right back here to tell everybody what is going on. Yeah, so, I'm, I don't want to, sorry, I, just, a, just to wrap, this last point on that. I'm not, I'm not trying to accuse the, the Texans. I'm not trying to say that they did know. Mm -hmm. I'm simply saying if an investigation is being held, obviously on the perpetrator in, in question, Deshaun, I, I believe that detection should be as well, based on the timeline of when these allegations are basically um, would have taken place. Just on the chronology of it, I just believe that they should be a part of an investigation as well. That's all. Yeah, somebody, somebody should at least give them a call and say, hey, what did you know? And if you knew anything, what did you say? Yeah. So we just made mention of some trades that went down in the NFL and how these trades would have affected one Mr. Deshaun Watson. Now, you remember that the, one of the biggest places that he was rumored to be going was to Miami. However, 
Miami, <laughs> well, they just got themselves armed with a whole lot of draft capital. Now, AJ, are you a big draft guy? The most part, yeah. And draft draft night is a thing for me. Draft is a thing. So yeah, I'm always looking forward to it, like always prepping for it, always like, yeah, looking at what would be the possible permutations. Yeah. But I can't say honestly, I am not that big of a draft guy. I it, this has been a while now that I have not really been such a draft, like really plugged into the draft. And Part of it is because, like, we don't know. We we don't know what we are really going to get from these players when mm -hmm. they are brought in. So, mm -hmm. my my affinity for the draft has waned significantly because I am not that in that heavily involved in the in the college game, especially. But the Miami Dolphins, they. It's either that they are very much so into the draft compared to a team like the Los Angeles Rams who continually gives away their first-round picks just to get more experienced players in. But I'm trying to see exactly where and what the, the deal was. Um, so, all right, as it says here, I'm looking, the third, yeah. I'm looking at an article here from on CBSSports.com. Says to make a long story short, the 49ers have the number three overall pick in the draft. The Dolphins have the number six pick and the Eagles the number 12 pick with plenty of future first round picks going to Miami and Philadelphia. Miami traded their number three overall pick to San Francisco for the number 12. They're the 49ers' 20, 2022 first round pick, third round pick, and the 2023 first round pick. And... Then they also traded their the number 12 pick and their fourth round pick and a 2022 first round pick to Philadelphia for the number six pick and a fifth round pick. So they trade from three to 12 and then back to six. And somebody said this they, they weren't playing chess. Sorry, sorry, this is chess. Because clearly. They were on the they were on the hunt for more draft capital, capital, and like, I have it here on my phone. It says that for the next three years, the Dolphins have first round pick for this year. They have the number six pick from Philadelphia and their pick, the number eighteen pick. The second round pick from Houston, which is the number thirty six pick, the number fiftieth pick, and the eighty first pick in the third round. So they have five picks in the first three rounds of 2021. They have four picks, their first pick, their first round pick, and San Francisco's first round pick, second round pick, and a third round pick, which is a compensatory pick from San Francisco. And then 2023, they have their first round pick, San Francisco's first round pick, and a second and a third. So they're, oh, they're talking up on these picks. Now, do you see them keeping all of these picks or do you see them taking these picks and flipping them into more seasoned, more experienced help? I would, I would say the latter, right? I, I, I do see them flipping some of the picks 
Um, but the, the 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 one that stands out for me the most is trading the number three pick. They traded down, as, as so you just said, they traded down from that number three pick, but then they traded back up into the top six. And I think that is significant. And I'll tell you why, right? In the top six, that's, so there, there are there are at least five QBs names that are going around that could potentially go as very high. Like these are the five QBs of a drop. We know we know who the number one pick is, and it was alluded to earlier today by the the Jaguars' new head coach. Um, so we know who that's going to be. In addition mm -hmm. to Trevor Lawrence, there is um, Zach Wilson, there's Justin Fields, there's Trey Lance, there's Mac Jones. So those are the other four. Trevor Lawrence will make five. five. Now, they're possibly... The other team... So, the, the fact that they traded back up to six, the, the, the other team in that top six that would not need a quarterback is the Cincinnati Bengals, who traded right above them at fifth. So, for me, trading to get back into that six is a move to get another quarterback. And even though they traded down, it's it kind of like... It's kind of like a half a half-hearted attempt at saying, all right, well, Tua could be our guy, but we're not sure yet. Mm -hmm. So I, the, uh, the reason I'm pointing is, this out is because I think what happens with their other picks depends a lot on what happens with that number six pick. Who, who they decide to get, what happens at the quarterback position going forward. But I, I still do think that some of those picks will be leveraged to, to bring in more experience. Um, last year, they tried to go the route of I think they did trade a few last year as well, and then they brought in some some veteran free agents. Um, mm -hmm. That didn't work out. That was terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not because I I could specifically remember like a couple of the running backs, right? But yeah, that didn't work out. Um, so I, I think in this case, yes, yeah, stock, the stocking of the draft picks is definitely to do that. But I'm very I'm a lot more interested to see this number six pick who they end up. I guess who because it, it it could very well. I mean, the Falcons are also up there, and. I, from all intents and purposes, that we haven't heard necessarily that the Falcons are aiming to to go with a a quarterback, right? So at this point, we don't necessarily know outside of Trevor Lawrence who will fall to them. But I I I can't help but get the feeling that the reason they did this is because they're not fully sold on tour, and based on what happens with that, then we could see them moving some more picks to bring in. Um, whether it be this season through next season as well, bringing um, yeah some veterans. Now the thing is, now you may mention the Falcons, and I just want to make a quick note on the Falcons. The Falcons are in my division. I don't hear anything about the Falcons. <laughs> Nobody apparently in the national media cares what's happening in Atlanta. So, but what we do know, I just came from. I just, you know what? It's so funny. I just came from there, and the only face I was seeing plastered around the, around Atlanta was Trey Young. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I mean, you could be right. Atlanta. The, the the thing about it is, we were hearing a lot of talk about Atlanta was going to potentially be looking to move on from Matt Ryan and get another quarterback. <clears throat> there was talk about if they were going to try to trade Ryan out or not. That has not materialized, at least not yet. So there is a likelihood that they could be looking for a new quarterback because, I mean, our division right now is Tom Brady at the Buccaneers. So you know that that is something that has to be dealt with. We're not sure what Carolina is going to do because Carolina, they were in the sweet states for Deshaun. 
they are not sold. They have not given us any indication that they are sold on Teddy Bridgewater being their starter this season. We got Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston in New Orleans, and then there's Atlanta. So at least we know there's a starter in position in Carolina. There's a potential starter in New Orleans, but we're not really trusting Matt Ryan. So more than likely, this will be the time, especially where they're drafting. Unless you expect that you're going to stink again this season and therefore be in this position again next season, this is the time to take a quarterback. Could be true. It's it's it still doesn't debunk my my uh, Miami theory though, because either way the Bengals still aren't going to take one, so there's still five to go in that in those top six positions at least. So I mean we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But for the Dolphins, I mean it, the Dolphins they have all of the draft capital in the world. They can do pretty much whatever they want. They can call almost any team, especially in a draft like this, and say, "Hey, look." We want your quarterback. We'll give you number six. We'll give you another one. These first runners we just got from San Francisco. We will do whatever you want. We'll give you the check. You write the price and we will sign it. So it's, it's interesting to see how this is all going to play out from the Dolphins perspective. Now, I made this comment in one of our chats over the weekend when this whole trade situation broke out. San Francisco is giving up three first-round picks to draft number three. If I was the player being drafted at number three, I do not... All right, I'll phrase it this way. The player who's being drafted at number three for San Francisco has more pressure than the player who's drafted number one overall because... This player that's being taken at number three for San Francisco is not just this year's number one pick. This is the number one pick for three years. The amount that's been given up to move up. And interestingly enough, San Francisco is saying this is not a move to signal that we are going to draft a quarterback. Who the feel? Who the feel the fooling? Who the train to trick? I saw. I saw up to today that that they 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 were very frank that in suggesting that it actually was a move to, to go after a quarterback. Though. Oh, so the change. So no, they've changed yeah, their tune because up to today. <laughs> who are you because, trying yeah, they, to trick? That wasn't that wasn't fooling anybody. That wasn't fooling anybody. That that's that's like you have a you have a two quarterback draft. And you trade to number two. Of course, you are trying to get up there to grab one of these guys. So you trade all the way up to three, and you give up three yeah. number one picks. So, like I said, I'm not the biggest draft guy. I don't check the college game to that degree. I can't say that there are any can't miss prospects in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence, we've been told from the time he was, I guess, a sophomore at Clemson that he was going to be the next big thing. So outside of Trevor Lawrence, if you're not drafting first, I don't see any talents in this draft that are franchise defining. There's no Peyton Manning in this draft. There's no Andrew Luck in this draft. And that, that's if, Trevor Lawrence. 
But but that's what I was about to say. But even if there was, he would have to be somebody other than Trevor Lawrence because Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is going number one. And you don't get a Peyton Manning and an Andrew Luck in the same draft. So if you have one otherworldly talent and you're not going to get him, why are you giving up all of this capital just to get into this position? Well, there's also there's also the um, the suggestion that you know with the Niners and their their offense essentially this, their system that they just need someone who is calm. Because I mean, I know you, you I know you're not sold on Jimmy G, right? We I, I don't know if the world already knew that. But yes, Ken is not sold on Jimmy G like whatsoever, right? However, however, you must admit that they they did achieve a relative amount of success with him, at least getting to the Super Bowl. And yeah, you don't need to mention, you don't need to mention it. I know what you're thinking. Don't, don't mention it. We know what happened in the game. We know what <laughs> happened in the game. Yes, he missed that throw. Yes, but at the same time, they lost the best team in the league at that point, right? Um, but yeah, so... I, the, the, the thought is that they, that can be replicated with a younger model if it is that Jimmy G can't stay fit. So they don't necessarily need the Peyton Manning or the Andrew Luck at this point based on the young team that they have around. They think that they could replicate that if they get, like, yeah, somebody even su- just suitable enough to run that system, to, to run Shanahan's system. But the thing is, all right, so as you just let everybody know, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo guy. Uh, Peace, sir, Jimmy. That's not my guy. So, so there is something to, if they bring somebody in, maybe they can just manage the system and make something happen. There is credence to that because when Jimmy was out, the foreigners' offense hardly missed a beat. C.J. Beathard came in and had starts and was relatively productive to the point where now he has moved on to be a backup somewhere else rather than be the number three in San Francisco. Nick Mullins had people fooled for a couple games thinking that he was a starting caliber quarterback. And then he reverted back to playing like a backup and Jimmy got healthy and Mullins was back on the bench. But the biggest issue is always availability with Jimmy. Jimmy cannot stay fit. As, as pretty as he is, he is also fragile. And therefore, if, again, if you are in that position, if you have the team that the 49ers has, where you're, you're stocked at the receiver position to some degree, you have one of the best tight ends in football. You had a pretty good offensive lineman. You just made one of your linemen the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL by a cent per year. Um, yeah. Petty. <laughs> it was a cent. I do not remember his name nor the guy who was right before him. But I think oh. the, the contracts were like $23 million a year. And then he is $23 million and one cent. Yeah, I didn't. Even, I, I wasn't even sure what the figures. That is, that is something else. I love That's it. That's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's love ridiculous. It. But I, I digress. Yeah. So you have you have the offensive line in place. You have a lot of your skill position players in place. 
you just you're you're kind of shifting away from having the backfield committee that you've been running for the last few years because Mostert has been more featured than anything else. You had the rookie who also came in and did very well. Um, Tevin Coleman, you had him. He's no longer there. Matt Breda, you had him. You got rid of him, and he ended up in Miami. You have a great defense. Yeah, the house and questions know the answer on the corners, but in terms of the defensive line, the defensive line is very good. You have a strong linebacking core. You would tell yourself that this season was an anomaly and there's no way that you should be back in this position again for the next decade. So you're going to go out there now and get this one player that you would expect then is going to elevate the floor of your team to the point where you are definitely going to be a playoff team and hope that, you know, things go the way you want them to go, that you can be a Super Bowl team at number three. Because clearly, whoever you plan to get at number three has to be a franchise player. They have to be someone you're going to depend on for the next five to ten years. It has to be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, that much was said as well. It's... it's... They, they, I mean, they'll, they'll be redshirting for this first year because apparently, the well, the, the suggestion is that they're still rolling with Jimmy G for this year. And then you'll see, uh, like you said, best ability is availability. So see what happens there. But I mean, you're absolutely correct. And I agree with that, obviously, because if, if you trade up to, if you trade up, <laughs> if you trade up to draft number three, like in, in this quarterback heavy draft, you're not, you're not going that high for a receiver or for somebody for your offensive line or something. Nah, you're not. You're absolutely not. Um, you, you know, you know what kind of, you know what kind, what fact I actually remember just a little bit after after this all. What I remember uh, about the fact that they moved up is that Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, is still a member of this team, isn't he? Yes. And they had they had signed him off of Tampa Bay off of Tampa Bay's practice squad at some point in time during the season. So, <laughs> so, once again, this guy is not going to get an opportunity. Because if they bring in somebody, he, they're more than likely going to catapult. A, a, a number three pick in a drop is going to catapult ahead of the guy that you just signed who hasn't proven anything. So, again, I mean, I, I saw bus written all over this guy when he was drafted. And all that, <laughs> but, again, I digress. Now, attitude. It's attitude. Attitude is, attitude is a hell of a thing, though. Yeah, but... I. <laughs> So again, I I have to keep making the point that I am not the biggest college guy. I will watch the national championship, especially if I think someone is going to beat Alabama. That's what I will watch. That's when I will watch. Outside of that, if I do, if I think that Saban and Alabama in the roll tide are going to roll over somebody again, I'm not wasting my time. That's a Monday night I can spend watching something with the wife. That's a much better use of my time than watching Alabama win another national championship. So I I do not, right here, right now, I do not remember where Rosen played when he was in college. I just remember him, remember either, him mm -hmm. on draft night saying that these other teams that did not pick him, all of them made a mistake. The nine teams that picked ahead and made a mistake, correct. And he was going to spend the rest of his career making sure they realized that. I'm yeah, pretty sure they can't remember who Josh Rosen is. Yeah, but see, no, he thought 
that he was going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, when he wasn't picked by the 49ers, he said, you know, that they are going to regret this for the rest of his career. And to his point, to his to be fair to Mr. Rodgers, he has blossomed into one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Josh Rosen, on the other hand, well, already a journeyman. Already a journeyman. Well, he was a journeyman for the second season because, you know, Colin Murray yeah, came yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he went to Miami. Yeah. And Miami thought that he was going to come in and be good for them. And then, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick got inserted because he wasn't doing the job. And even when Fitzpatrick became pickpatrick, Rosen still couldn't get back in there. Then he's out and gone again. At this point... There's there's not much more. I mean, Rosen, even though he's a first-round pick, he's getting the Peterman treatment. He's just going to be in somebody's practice squad, <laughs> and he's going to go there and throw the balls so that the corners and the safeties can practice their interception dress. Pretty much. Pretty much. No argument so, there. So, no, you, you may, we may mention of one Jimmy Garoppolo, and you had come on here and said that you anticipated that Jimmy was going to be the next quarterback, this season's quarterback for the New England Patriots. Apparently, that's not the case because the Patriots came out this week and said, "Nope, we're we're not doing that." And yeah, so AJ, um, no, how do you feel about your your quarterback situation? Because this is the Patriots portion of the conversation. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago and everything seemed honky dory. I because I, I I also said that I thought that the Niners were going to make a very serious push at for Deshaun, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously that fell apart. So in, in that I felt like we were going to be the ones to pursue Jimmy G to bring him back. Cause as as is evident, we love to bring we love to tell our prodigal sons to come back home, right? Yep. Um so that hasn't happened and the Niners have pledged their allegiance to Jimmy at least for one more season, at least well, verbally, at least for one more season um, before moving up to take a number three pick to move from the guy. But um, so, so that's all the, like you said, that's out of the window for us. We have resigned Cam. I, I still, I, I feel slightly better than I did at the end of the season because I, I honestly don't even recall if I said it here. On, on the show or if it was just in conversation that I, I, I wasn't averse to the idea of bringing back Cam Newton, right? It, it, it wasn't high on my list of, of, of players I wanted to come in or to come back even or, you know, he wasn't high on the QB list. But given the way last season transpired, um, him and some of the personal issues like with COVID and so I, I was like, you know what? I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing to bring him back. I like to give people chances. So I, I do feel a little bit better at this point. However, I, I again this this is this is my gut feeling. I, let's see if I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm not though. But I still have the feeling that we are going to try to move in and and make another move for a, a quarterback before the season starts. I don't know when. I don't know how, because we've already spent a lot of money. So I don't know exactly how this is going to take place, but I, I just, I just, I, it, it could be just me being a homer and me wanting that to happen. Like I said, I don't want to be wrong about it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not as downtrodden as I was at the end of last season. So 
Um, kind of just waiting to see how this goes. Well, I mean, as I have been, I've been very vocal about my affinity for the residents of Foxborough. Everybody knows that just as much as I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm a fan of the New England Patriots. So, at this point, whatever happens, happens. Like, I expect that the Patriots are going to be better than the world last season. That is, that is a given. An extra season, um, hopefully a preseason for Cam being there and practicing, you finally invested some money in some some weapons. Well, they're not the um, sniper rifle caliber that we would like, you know, the long gun that does tremendous damage. You, yeah, I think we can say that you probably brought in a couple 44s and a 22 called Nesla Aguilar. But outside of, outside of those, I mean, you have the... <laughs> <laughs> you, had to, you had to do it. You had to do it. Yeah, I had to. I mean, after I started, after I started with the gun analogy, I mean, there's only I could only go after 22 for Nelson Aguilar. But yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> we 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 see that your franchise has done some work to try to make things better for this next season. With everything that's happened in the division and is happening in the division, it had to happen. Because if you stayed back for next season, you would come last in your division. You would you would be behind the Jets because the Jets have done some work to make their team better. Not just from a player personnel, but bringing in Salah as the head coach. He apparently has already been doing good work in changing the culture of the Jets. So you had to... That's still two wins. Rookie head coach, two wins. Chalk it up. That's two wins already. Only two wins. So you, you're. And no, no, no. I'm saying that's at least, at least rookie head coach. That's mm. that's that's two wins in that division. Beating the Jets in both. Watch and see. <laughs> Ricky, okay. Ricky, Ricky. I got it this season, though. Both of them. Both of them. So yeah, we 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 will definitely remember this, and we will come back to this of after your will. season after your season series is finished. But like you said, the Patriots, they love to bring out home the, um, the prodigal sons. You know, I'm going to love an open box special. So anything, anybody else know that you no know, breaks that comes out that is in a little bit of problems, chances are we can see them playing for New England. And of course, and I'll just leave it there. We'll see what happens next. So... Some other big news broke in the time that we were out. This one really was like, we were really hearing about it. It was really picking up steam over the last couple of days, which is that the NFL is expected to introduce a 17th game into the regular season. The regular season will move from being 17 weeks to 18 weeks. Each team will still have a boy week in the season. And they will have this 17th game that is expected to be added to the, to the lineup for this season. Now, the one thing that comes out that is pretty interesting is that the NFL is, well, in the past, they have been willing to increase the number of games. Um, 
The NFL started with 12 games in 1947. They moved to 14 games in 1961. 16, 17 years later, in 1978, it became what we know today as the 16-game season. And 43 years later, which is the longest break that they've ever had, now we are headed to a 17th game. But this 17th game has not proven to be popular with the players. Because in some cases, no, well, the contracts that they have, for some players, it feels as if they're going to be doing an additional week of work without getting any more pay. Because from my understanding, the players are basically they're paid on a per game basis. So you have a 17 game regular season and you are paid for 16 games. Your, your contract, you get paid one sixteenth, and the bye week, well, you don't get paid because you didn't play this week. So now they're moving to this seventeenth game, eighteen week season. What do you what What are your feelings about this, Adrian? I completely understand the the gripe that the players have with this, though, because <laughs> because the NFL means this organization, this closed organization uh, of these rich owners. They mean that they are to make more money off of the backs of these players. Yes. <laughs> and the players are not making more money. <laughs> these men could, they could allow players to be making more by simply removing the salary cap, you know. But no, they ain't going to do it because they have they have to keep a cap on how much they are, are, are putting out while their income grows, right? So in, in this case, it's like, all right, well, yeah, we... We're going to make money and we're doing it at, by this method. Nah, everything is staying the same, but y'all have to play more games. So I could completely understand. And it it, it doesn't even see, and, and based on the nature of the league, again, this is it's not like, was there even a players coalition involved in this decision-making? I guess not. You know, and, and, and doesn't the NFL have a CBA? I, I'm, I'm kind of just wondering how this all comes about. Like, just without without like any sort of input from the players or so the I, 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 no sorry go ahead go ahead the, the thing about this is that there was input from the players the players had to vote this in mm. and the players did vote this in now I don't know if you remember but it was over the, the last year or two there were these massive negotiations that were happening around the new collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Right. Now, one of the things that you may mention of with regards to the salary cap, the salary cap, it serves two purposes. The first one is what you just described. It makes sure that the owners only have to share X amount of the revenue of the league with the players. The other purpose of the salary cap is to control the owners because somebody like Jerry Jones would play in the NFL like the Yankees in baseball. The Dallas Cowboys are the richest franchise in the NFL and Jones would be out there making it rain in the hopes of getting another Super Bowl. He would he would pick and he would do whatever he can to get Mahomes out of Kansas City. He would do whatever he can to get Kamara 
as a cowboy. He would go get Julio Jones to play on the outside. He would he would get every or he would try to get every big name player that he can. Now, the one of the issues that they had in the collective bargaining discussion was the 17th game. Now, from my reading on the topic, and there was a, an excellent article written in ESPN where they talked about Demoris Smith and his position as the head of the NFLPA and the negotiations that went into this 17th game and everything else. The 17th game was the first time it came up in the, I think it was in the 2010 negotiations, it was brought as a proposal. In the 2019 um, CBA discussions, it was brought in almost as a foregone conclusion. This is what the owners intend to do. So now we have to figure out what we are going to ask for in return so that we can try to get some more value. One of the other things that they brought in was the increasing of the salaries for the like for the veterans and for those who are not at the upper ends of the income scale. So the guys whose names we don't know, like the backup linemen, those kinds of people, the rank and file of the NFL, we're going to get more money in this deal. But the top end wasn't moving. And the ratio that they were getting, because I think they, the players were supposed to be getting like 52%, 52.5% on the previous CBA. And then it was being cut down to like 49%. So it was more money for the owners, less money for the players, plus this extra game. And the players, well, they ended up passing by a small margin because you had players like Aaron Rodgers and, and other big name players who came out against the proposed CBA, but the rank and file who saw, well, you're this 13 year veteran and you expect to play for the next seven years. But for me, who is like in my third year in the league and hoping I either make the team or I get injured just before the final cut, therefore they can't cut me and my salary is guaranteed for the season. They're the ones that are saying, well, hey, this is an opportunity that we can make more money now. We can take the money now. And it ended up passing. So that is diabolical. <laughs> that is diabolical. <laughs> right. So you see, okay, so I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't even know all of that because I was wondering how this managed to get by the CBA if there's so much pushback uh, from the players at this point. So I thank you for that tidbit of information. That is that is absolutely diabolical. That when, was that was clearly well well drawn up by Harvey Specter himself. Because I know <laughs> when I I I'm gonna share the article with you so that you can see it. And yeah. we this deserves a final thought treatment with Demora Smith and his position with the NFLPA and then the, the owners and the way how they approach these negotiations. We'll come back. We'll revisit this in a few weeks. Now, the 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 other issue that also came up um, was in relation to the new TV deals because 
There is, I am convinced there is no corporation in the world that prints money like the NFL. Not FIFA. And you know how FIFA full of corruption because the, 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 they're getting a lot of money and they're supposed to be spending a lot of money too. And in the spending of a lot of money, a lot of that money is spent in people's bank accounts. So we, we're not here to talk about FIFA, but this NFL new TV deal, have you seen it, Adrian? Have you seen what is in this deal? Yeah, I didn't see specific breakdowns, but I just saw in terms of like, um, yeah, the, the announcements for like the Super Bowls on the different channels and whatnot. So you could go ahead and give the breakdown. So basically, I'm trying to see what the money is like, because that was the one thing that I was looking for and I could not find it directly. But all right. So here is it. Each of the networks I'm looking at. This is an article from the Washington Post. This was um, released on the 18th of March. It says each of the networks will pay a substantial increase in rates fees. Fox, CBS, and NBC are set to spend around $2 billion annually. Disney will pay the NFL $2.7 billion for the Monday night package. And so let's... Let's just add this up. Fox, CBS, NBC, $2 million each. That's $6 million and $2.7 million from, for, from Disney, which is ESPN and their, their stuff. So that's $8.7 billion that is coming in to the NFL just to show the games. That has nothing to do with the other contracts that they're going to then you know, negotiate on the side with the advertising and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Football in the States, they said that football in the States is like putting red meat in front of a grizzly bear. Like, it, Americans just want football. And that's why, to just going back quickly, there is no public support or no, no, um, grown swell of support for the players when they're talking about the 17th game because all the football fans know is there's an extra game for the fantasy players. There's one more week for us one to one week of fantasy, boy. One more week of fantasy. <laughs> so, the players who are trading on their bodies, they, they're going to get a, a piece of the play, obviously. But the amount that is going to go back to the owners is going to be. It's going to be ridiculous. Now, on top of the the whole thing about just the the numbers, the benefit that is also going to have, especially coming after this season, is the salary cap. And we spent a lot of time talking about the cap and how, based on the earnings of the league, is how the cap is determined. So clearly, if they're making a hell of a lot more money, then the expectation is that the cap is going to spike next season after this depression based on COVID, and then it's just going to continue growing. So, like last season, it was one ninety-two and a half million. This season, it is one eighty-two and a half million. The expectation that the cap is going to be over two hundred million, which is why in a lot of these cases, especially like some of the older players who have been negotiating contracts, 
they would have wanted to align their contracts with the end of the current TV deal. So when they renegotiate, they're negotiating now with all of this additional money available, hopefully to get themselves a much greater payday. So that is, that is part of it. Now, what will look different with this new TV deal? Um, so Sundays and Mondays will basically be the same. We're going to have AFC stuff mainly. I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but I noticed this a while ago. AFC games mainly come on CBS, unless they have like some cross-conference games that may you know, carry some sort of interest. And NFC games predominantly go on Fox. I noticed this from the time when we were back home in the Caribbean because at that point, I had CBS and Fox, and they would be watching, and you'll notice these things. So that would be pretty much the same. ESPN also is going to continue with their Monday night football game. NBC will have the Sunday night game. They will also have um, the Super Bowl rotation will now include ESPN because at this point it just goes Fox, NBC, CBS, and it continues like that. Like we had CBS this season and last season it was Fox that had the Super Bowl. So you know we have ESPN getting in there. ABC, which is also part of Disney, they will also get some games in between. You're going to have games that are going to play on ESPN+, Plus. You're going, which is Disney. You're going to have games on Peacock, which is NBC or Comcast. And then you're going to have games on Paramount+, Plus, which is CBS. So you're going to have games that are going to be shown on these streaming services. But the biggest change is that the entire Thursday night package is going to Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is going to be the exclusive home of Amazon Prime. So I think they've been um, they've been experimenting with yes seasons, yeah. yeah and Amazon is paying and they're paying a billion dollars for that. So there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money in this in this football broadcasting thing, and the NFL. These TV deals are only going to continue to grow. And it's going to be more and more money for the owners. And we can only hope that eventually some of this money filters out to the players because the players, they're doing way too much and getting way too little. All right. So now there's one other um, thing that I wanted to, to bring up from this week. It's only fair that if I come on here and laugh at and make sport at AJ and his team and the players that his team has and stuff that they do. It's only fair then that when something happens of a negative, on the negative side with my Saints, that we also bring that to light. And Marshawn Lattimore, my all-star, all-pro cornerback, has been arrested in Cleveland. Well, not necessarily. Yes, actually is in Cleveland. He is originally from Ohio and he was arrested in Ohio. He has been charged with possession of stolen property. And, well, let me make sure I read it so that you get exactly what it is. 
he's charged with receiving stolen property. And then um, the other charge that he had received was in relation to not disclosing immediately to the, or as soon as possible, basically, with the police that there was a handgun in the car. Now, said handgun is the stolen property, which they are looking at as a fourth degree felony. Now, the portion of it being a fourth degree felony is most important here because that fourth degree felony carries with it a minimum of six months in jail. So the response that came out from Latimore's attorney is that this was all just a big misunderstanding, but apparently the gun, the loaded gun that he was found with in this traffic stop was stolen. We don't know from who, we don't know from where, but we know for sure that he has been charged and he waived his, he waived the pre-trial hearing. So now at this point, we're just waiting to see what's going to come of this. Now, is it, did you hear about this, this story? Yeah, yeah, not in as much detail as you just um, expanded on, ex ex um, expanded on, sorry. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been expanded. Um, yeah, not in as much detail. I, I didn't hear the part about the, the firearm, um, but yeah, I, I did not know it was that much. Yeah, I didn't know that much detail. So um, yeah, just listening to, I, I, I'm kind of deferring to you on this. I mean, this is your team. Not mm -hmm. not saying that I'm not at liberty to discuss it, but I didn't know as much info as you. Mm -hmm. You know, I was kind of out of it last week. So yeah, as as much as I did hear the headline, I didn't see any details. I didn't know that um, such was the case um, or how deep yeah, the situation was. Yeah, so I, I found an article online. Um, is the Canal Street Chronicles, which is one of the, like the Saints sites. It's not, it's not directly affiliated with the Saints. It's more like a, a fan and, site. And this article was written by an attorney. Um, his name is Chris Dunnels. The, the, the article was released today. So I'll just read a little bit of it for you so that you can get a little bit more information. All right, it says the first crime that Lattimore was reported as having been charged with was receiving stolen property under Ohio Revised Code 2913.51. This law makes it illegal for a person to receive, retain, or dispose of property that the individual knew or had reasonable cause to believe that the property was stolen. This is collected, collectively called receiving stolen property, even if the person charged with the crime wasn't in the act of actually receiving it, but was simply retaining it, meaning it, meaning it was just in their possession. So, but let's look at the new or had reasonable cause to believe the property was stolen language. Rarely will you have definitive proof a person knows something is stolen. They will basically never admit to knowing something was stolen and finding text messages or something of the sort that says, I know this is stolen is only true in crime TV shows. Instead, a prosecutor is able to prove that a person is guilty of receiving stolen property, not because the person had actual knowledge of it being stolen, but rather that they had reasonable cause to believe it was. 
So then he gives a scenario where if you were going to um, to buy a car and you went to the sale lot and the person had the title, they had the keys, car the street, and they said, you know, the car costs $10,000, you pay them $10,000, you get the car, then that is not suspicious versus if you saw a car that was listed on Facebook Marketplace for $10,000. And then when you contacted the person, they said, oh, you can get this car for $3,000. It has to be all cash. I don't have the keys. I don't have the title. And there's a screwdriver jammed into the ignition. That's how we get the car turned on. So that gives you a pretty good explanation of if you yeah. would have cause to think that something is stolen or not. All right, so he said, basically, the reason the law says reasonable cause to believe is because the law doesn't want someone to purposefully turn a blind eye to a whole bunch of potential red flags and let them escape criminal liability by saying, well, no one ever told me it was stolen. Maybe not, but you should have known it was. No, then the second charge against Lattimore is far simpler to explain. He was charged with failure to notify under ORC 2923.12 subsection B subsection 1 which requires a person to promptly notify law enforcement officer that he or she is carrying a concealed firearm if stopped by police for a law enforcement purpose basically in Ohio if you're carrying a gun and get stopped by police you have to promptly notify the officer of the fact that you're that you're lawfully ex exercising your right to conceal carry Lattimore allegedly did not you might be asking yourself what exactly promptly means under the statute, and if you are, bonus points to you, you're thinking like a lawyer. Under Ohio law, while promptly doesn't mean immediately, it is pretty close. So the he goes on in the article to talk about um, like the potential um, charges or well, the punishments that could come from these charges, where he could, have, if the fourth degree felony is held up, he could face at least six months in jail. The failure to disclose the misdemeanor. So it could be like, I think is up to six months in jail or a thousand dollar fine is the maximum. He goes on to say that he doesn't know the intricacies of the case. So he can't make a definitive statement as if he does know, but what he would surmise may likely happen is that there may be some sort of plea deal where Lattimore pleads guilty to the fear to disclose, they drop the charge of the felony possession, and then he may just pay a fine. So at this point, similar to Deshaun, it's a little early for us to really get too heavy into this. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where things go here. But this leads me into the final thought because one of the other things that came up in there was what potential discipline could he face from the NFL. And the NFL's discipline policy has been a pain for me. I have been very, very annoyed for many years. This goes back to Bounty Gate that I have been upset with the NFL and the, the way how they handle discipline. Admittedly, I, can, I will admit to my shortcomings in this case because when they came after your Patriots, I didn't nearly feel as bad. But you know that I believe that winner is a bunch of crooks, so that is neither here nor there. 
Yes, you probably should. But at the same time, the NFL has been handing out punishments in a very arbitrary fashion, especially when it comes to situations where the evidence that they're using to base their punishments on has been spurious or dubious at best. Bontigier is a is a great example. You had a situation where they thought that someone was upset on the sideline because he was talking to the defensive coordinator who told him that he was not going to get the bounty for knocking this player out the game. Like, let's, let's stop for a moment and think about, does this make sense? Is this even likely? Why would we have bounties in the game and be talking about them during the game on the sideline with the cameras right there? Anyhow, there, was, there were circumstantial evidence at best Nothing was ever proven, but Sean Payton got suspended for a year. Greg Roman, who was our defensive coordinator, he got fired altogether. Jonathan Vilma, he was also suspended. He fought the suspension. He ended up, I think, missing like six or seven games that season. Nothing was ever proven, but we were punished. We lost draft picks. We had to pay fines. We had to do all kinds of foolishness. You had the situation where deflate get. I don't know. Somebody, somebody, please comment on this and tell me why all of these scandals get a gate. But anyhow, deflate gate where somebody picks off a ball from Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game against the Colts and then says, hey, wait a second, this ball feels pretty light. And they go to the ref and the ref is like, hey, this ball feels pretty light. And then they go in the check and they say, oh, wait, like, these balls are light, though. Like, what's going on here? And now... We have a kit man who apparently took the balls to the bathroom. We don't know what happened. They said that the balls can sometimes deflate during the game, but the expectation is that it's going to have a certain degree of PSI and it didn't have it. And then Brady ends up getting suspended for six games, which he also fights, plays the whole season, and then does and then takes the suspension the next season because they might as well take it. And, of course, we know that Mr. Kraft and Mr. Goodell, they have some level of an understanding. So to help this all go away, Brady ended up taking his six-game suspension. We don't know where they got the six games from. That, and that was the other thing. So... Florida, he ended up getting sorry, it was four games. It was four games. The six games, however, became the standard when the NFL decided that we want, we are going to be legislating against domestic violence. But we had situations like Greg Hardy, who apparently ch choked out his girlfriend at the time and had her thrown across the bed where guns were on the bed, all kinds of madness, and he got a late suspension. You had a situation where the kicker from the Giants, he was repeatedly beating his wife for a prolonged period of time. And we couldn't get a proper, like, they they had no standard. It's like, okay, we don't think this is so bad. We'll give you two games. Oh, wait, so this other situation is kind of bad, so we'll give you, we'll give you eight games. Oh, wait, you know, this is a big national scandal, so we'll suspend you for the, for the entire year. It was all being done very arbitrary. And Roger Goodell set himself up as judge, jury, and executioner. 
So how do I appeal a suspension if I'm appealing the suspension to the person who suspended me? Like, if we were to find ourselves before the law courts and we got charged and convicted, we don't appeal to the same court that's convicted us. The appeal goes to someone higher, but in the NFL, Goodell is the highest authority. So the NFL has, they've never been able to properly adjudicate punishments in a lot of these cases. Um, you, you see people getting greater suspensions, I guess, because of, you know, their lifetime totting up of infractions, like Vontaze Burfitt, who's been kicked out of the NFL, for a hit that he will argue was not that dirty, but chances are he should have been kicked out ever since because he has been doing foolishness for the longest. You have Antonio Brown, who got himself suspended while... Sorry, he got he got himself kicked out of Pittsburgh, signed with Oakland, got into a row with the general manager in Oakland, got kicked out of Oakland, got suspended, came off suspension, signed with the Patriots, then for all of these sexual allegations to come out, got suspended again, as it would seem indefinitely, because... <laughs> He was just out of the league and they were saying he was out of the league pending an investigation and then we were hearing that there seemed to be slow rolling the investigation. So if you can't get let back in before the investigation is finished and the investigation is still going on, then you're going to be out of the league. And then we heard that AB got suspended. I think it was for the first six or eight games of this season. And this is after he's already been out of the league for about a year. And, like, what are we doing? What is going on? And he said if they had adjudicated his case, he would have been, he would have been suspended before, and then he would have been fine. But, again, what are you suspending him for? Up until now, the criminal investigation is not concluded. That is still pending. The civil cases are still pending as well. But he's suspended. So we can only conclude that he's suspended because of optics. And that is what brings, that is for me, the, the biggest point of this entire situation. In a lot of cases, when it comes to the NFL and handed down punishments for anything, anything at all, it seems to be based on optics. We can't let this person do X and get away with it. We have to suspend him. How long are we going to suspend him for? Well, how long should we suspend him to make sure that, you know, the blogs and the talk shows and the ordinary Joe on the street know they understand that we are serious about this, whatever this issue is. But at the same time, what are you basing it on? So they, they bring in a committee, they create a committee to handle the discipline so that Goodell is not the, the focal point of all of the ire. And that was something that was negotiated in the CBA as well. They have no mere motions to, to relax some of the understanding or some of the focus with regards to marijuana because marijuana use in the NFL is something that is, a, I guess you could say, a, is not really a secret. It's something that, they, but the thing is, you're playing a game where you're, it's like car crashes on every play. 
you're running full speed and hitting into somebody who they're not built like me is not is they're, they're not landing on a couch these are hard-bodied men that are slamming into each other doing five to 15 miles an hour and then hitting on some turf or some very compact dirt the players have been advocating that they should stop coming down so heavy on marijuana because they use it for pain management. And you don't want a situation where the opioid crisis is getting worse because players have to take them because their bodies are hurting. So now they've made a motion, they've made a move to stop being so heavy on the marijuana stuff. But as soon as the NFL started to decide that they were going to be legislating behavior, as opposed to just looking at conduct detrimental to the game, everything now is about the shield and the shield must be protected at all costs. They open themselves up for all of this. They've, they've created a monster that they themselves are struggling to contain and control. And while I will agree that there is to be some level of control measures put in place for conduct, not just in the game, but outside of the game. Until the NFL gets it figured out, to me, it would be better for them if they were to stop. And, well, I won't say stop completely because you must have standards. We, we're not going to say that players are going to be allowed to engage in domestic violence, to be out here shooting at clubs, shooting themselves in the foot, Classical burst. We're not going to have players doing these kinds of things and then suiting up on Sundays as if nothing has happened. But at the same time, until they can come up with a definitive plan and say, for this, it is, it is X. Just like how the law has specific penalties for violating certain laws or certain rules. And then from there, we look at aggravating factors, mitigating factors, and, and we can go from there and make a determination as this is how we're going to deal with X. They got, they, 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 it's better for them to stop, take a beat, and figure that out than to continue doing what we've been doing all along. Great point. Great point. All right. So, folks, that brings us to the end of another Green Beige podcast. As we mentioned at the beginning, if you haven't done it before, like and subscribe. We are moving from the evening, so this is the last thing we'll be coming on for you at night. You'll see us in the morning, not this Wednesday, clearly, but the following Wednesday. We have some other stuff in the works that we will be announcing to you soon. And we obviously, you know, as we always say, we appreciate your time with us. Continue to spread the word, help us to grow, help us to glow. We want this to be a space where we can all come together, share, and have a good time. Do you have any final thoughts, AJ, before we before we go? No, I mean, after you so eloquently put that, um, your one final thought just now, um, I think it just wrapped up, summed up everything in a neat little bowl following that. So I won't get back to the final thought and, you know, the housekeeping matters you seem to be getting to. So, yeah, just thanks to everybody who's been here so far. And we look forward to, um, to even more, to even more, having even more of you 
uh, along this journey with us. Indeed. So to everyone, have a great evening. We will see you next Wednesday morning. That is AJ. He's the green. I'm Ken. I'm the beige. We'll see you next time.